Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. We have talked about so many aspects of adoption, and I thought it would be fun to listen to somebody who has come to work for us. She's been with us for over a year. Uh, She has been in the social worker field for years and years and decades. Uh, Sarah is an adoptive family caseworker who was born and raised in Montana before heading south to Arizona in 2018. Uh, Building Arizona Families Mission drew her out of retirement and back into working as a social worker for our agency. She graduated from Carroll College in Helena, Montana, with a degree in social work and criminal justice. Adoption is a very specialized field. So many times workers who come to us don't have very much experience in adoption as an entity or as as a field. And so when they come from a different sector of social work, it's like stepping into a whole new world. And we have our own language per se, our own acronyms, our own philosophies. We all follow and adhere to the same state and federal laws, but agency to agency philosophies may differ and we may have different mission statements. But as a whole, I do believe that the adoption community has the same ultimate goal in mind. And I thought it would be fun to listen to what it is like to come from so many different social work positions and and career choices, right? Mm -hmm. And what it is like to step into the adoption world as an adoptive family case manager. What was your experience prior to coming to work in the adoption community? I started out as, as a social worker, graduated, and at 21 started at working at a children's psychiatric hospital. So I kind of started out at the, the the onset of the mental health field with dealing with, you know, we had kids all the way down to age three wow. that would come into that hospital. You know, and we would have to use different techniques. You know, they had detachment disorder, so we would have to use special holding. Um, there were 12-year-old girls that we were trying to, you know, go back, bring them back and bond. So you would see us holding, you know, like a baby, a 12-year-old girl trying to get her to, you know, attach. So we had, you know, at 20, in my 20s, I, I really had a an eye-opening experience to the world of 
you know, mental illness and psychiatric hospitals. So I did that job. And then I, I got a, an internship at the juvenile probation office. And so I started with the next phase, which, so I moved up to teenagers and, and then from there, I, you know, have worked in kind of a variety of jobs. But one of them was working at a teenage um, adoption agency, but it was mainly, we didn't do so many adoptions. We took in pregnant teenage girls. I did case management and some would place for adoption, but most of them we were trying to teach them how to parent their child because they were either working through DCS. And one of the most eye-opening experiences was being in the delivery room with a 14-year-old girl. And I was the one, you know, holding her hand, trying to talk her through it. And it's like I wanted to switch places with her so bad. So, um, yeah, I just had. And then my, my last job that I thought I retired at was working at an adult psychiatric um, hospital, Montana State Hospital. So these were committed individuals. And I was just going to kind of follow my, you know, my way out the door of working with, because I worked with a lot of them were geriatric patients. So you would see one funny story. This is a funny story. I, I went into the geriatric unit and I was buzzing in. And I look in the window, and here's like an 80-some-year-old man with his pants down around his ankles like you'd see a little three-year-old getting into the, you know, tub. Diaper down, pants down, and just kicked him off, everything off, walking buck naked down the hallway. of the. And I go in, and here's the staff getting him. Come on, Roger, get your clothes back on. <laughs> so it, it, it was just... It was just like, wow, this is what I have to look forward to, you know. That, uh, yeah, um, as you know, as far as my career, it spans for 30 years. And I, like I said, started out as Children's Psychiatric Hospital, went to geriatrics, retired, and saw BAF, researched BAF, and thought, you know, I think I have a little bit more to add to, you know, working with society that you know needs the help so I jumped back in the pool and I'll tell you if I'm gonna be honest I don't see myself leaving until they kick me out till they pull my driver's license and I can't drive anymore <laughs> that provides such reassurance thank you so much for that Sarah <laughs> yes so no, Sarah. And, and I've been through the ugly part of it too you know the transitions and all of the goods the bads the uglies and it's like you know <laughs> You you have to work together as a team to get through that, and I'm not someone that's going to jump ship. Now, you talked about how you kind of started researching BAF, and uh, that kind of brought you back and made you change your mind about retiring. Was there any one thing about building Arizona families that uh, made you change your mind? Was What was it that you said, you know what, this is worth it? Because, uh, you know, my last job when I did work with the psychiatric patients, it was as a liaison. So I would help them transition from the hospital if they were well enough or if we had placement for them. I would help them transition into the community. So I spent hours upon hours with, you know, people that were homeless, you know, at one point in their life and mm. ran into, you know, their mental health took the best of them and, and um, really sick individuals. Well, when I got out of it, I just had that drive to get back in to okay. helping any way I can. Um, I don't know. It was weird because I was done. I was 
walking dogs. I was cleaning houses. I was happy. You know, I didn't have any oversight. And I don't know, my heart drew me back into the field. I think as a social worker, it does that. It just something simple drives you back in. So when I went there initially and did the interview, it was there were two positions that were um, being offered. It was, you know, working with adoptive families and working with, um, you know, the birth mothers, which my heart always draws towards that. But I had never worked on the other side of the place. As a probation officer, I was working, dealing with aunts and uncles and parents and the kid. And, you know, otherwise for adults, I was working with, you know, it as a whole. But I never worked on the other side of it, trying to get a family to bring one of the products of the people I work with into their life. So that's why. And Kelly always teases me, wants me to go back over to the dark side. That's my comfort zone. I decided to go out of my comfort zone in the field of social work. And that's why I chose the route I chose. Clarifying the dark side, that is that is a little bit of a joke. <laughs> oh, completely a joke. Yeah. You know what? I will refer to that as the dark side, meaning you don't know what to expect yes. at all. You are in the dark half the time, three quarters of the time. Good way. Yeah. Mothers. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, well said. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's the dark side. Because the dark side, then I, I've lived in the dark side for 30 years. <laughs> yes. You know, and so, yeah. What is your favorite aspect of working in an adoption agency? Um, my favorite aspect is having the skills and the tools and the ability to work with a family to, you know, get, you know, their objective is to have, you know, placements and just knowing that if anyone needs to let them down or give them the information I trust me to do that I, I don't want other people to do that for me because I have those tools and those techniques and those skills to do it in a way that I feel has been effective because I've I, I've done it it's you know it's kind of like a pro golfer he's going to be a great you know, golfer, if he practices, practices, practices. Well, I've had, you know, many years of practice. So, you know, that, that completely has helped. So um, everything has I its like, good and bad. What's your least favorite aspect? My least favorite aspect is the people, the where my hair stands at the back of my neck is when people judge people that have never walked in the other person's shoes and when i hear you know negative comments from people because you know a lot of our birth mothers have you know drug problems you know there will be or possibly could be drug exposure in the baby so to hear somebody tell me that oh how could they do they not understand they're carrying a baby that is you know that is so selfish that's you know this that i stop them because I've heard the stories starting at age four, five, six of the horrifying experiences that the young kids went through. Sexual abuse at age six by their uncle. Mom and dad were drug addicts. They quit you know, high school. They you know, were exposed to all of this. And we're supposed to sit there and tell people, I would never do that. I can't believe they do that. How dare anybody have the audacity to say what you would or wouldn't do when you have no idea how you would react if that was your life. So 
cut the crap right there. I'm sorry, but that's what just sets me off. Yeah, sorry, I get it. I'm very, I'm very passionate about that. No, absolutely. absolutely. Cool. No, absolutely. So what is your the funniest story that has happened to you since you started? Well, how long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I try to make fun every day of my job because I want to bring that to people. I want to bring it to uh, my coworkers. I want to bring it to whoever I come in contact with. It just makes life better when you hear something funny and you can laugh. You can laugh at yourself. You can laugh at the other person. But this is kind of halfway funny, but kind of like sad. Um Shakia and I had a case, um, I can't name names, correct? Correct. Okay, so we had a case, and it was a disruption. We went all along, and the adoptive parents were always questioning me. Do you see red flags? Do you see red flags? Well, yes, I do. Um, You know, I do, because I would tell these adoptive families, you know, that, hey, I am your right arm in in the state of Arizona. I will everything that you would want to do, you know, I want to do for you because I, you know, I feel it's very much a disadvantage to be in another state blindly putting your face in somebody. Um, So this girl disrupted and I had to call the family the night before Thanksgiving. It was, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, Thanksgiving's the next day. So I called them and, you know, told them whatnot. Well, all of a sudden we get a call, I don't know, three weeks later. And she, she's at the hospital, and she wants the place. And so I am so excited, but we weren't going to, I wasn't going to call them until after she signed at least the POA. So Shakia says, Sarah, we got to get there. They're kicking her out of the hospital. So at 10 o'clock that night, she had had a C-section at 10. Well, I'm on the phone with Shakia trying to, you know, figure, okay, where, you know, where do I go? She's like, we're out at St. Joe's. We're, you know, they're going to kick, you know, her out. So I hurry and Kelly, I apologize. I put a hat on and I may have had sweats. I'm not sure what I had on, but I wanted to get this done because she wanted to sign the POAs right there at the hospital. She didn't want to leave. So I hurry and I'm pulling up into the circle at St. Joe's. And here is Shakia and three security guards and the birth mom walking out with, she had pulled the IVs out. She's walking out in a t-shirt, shorts, no shoes, and it was a cold, windy day. And here's Shakia and the security guards and the birth mom being escorted out. And I was like half laughing, going, oh my goodness, this is my job. (laughs) What is going on here? Something's not right. And so she comes over and and security had escorted her out. She took the food tray and threw it at the nurses, and they said, we're done with you. And this girl had just had a C-section. Wow. So she came out, and, you know, here's Shakia, or, yeah, Shakia and I, in the parking, in the roundabout at St. Joe's Hospital on the bench, and she is, like, demanding, the birth mom, demanding to sign POAs. So it was funny because that made me go, I'm driving up and facing security guards, a birth mom who just had a C-section, and Shakia case managers just looking at me, shaking her head, because she was new. And she's looking at me, and we're just like, oh my goodness, what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> you left out the best part. Which what did you give that birth that- mother? Oh, so she's cold. I'm cold. She doesn't want to come sit in my car. We don't want to have her, you know, sign POAs in my car. At least wanted to open the door and even crouch down. 
And so I keep golf shoes in my trunk and I keep coats because every restaurant I go into, they think that we're, you know, from Alaska. So I keep extra stuff and I pull out a pair of shoes. I'm putting tennis shoes on her. I'm putting my coat, wrapping my coat around her. If I would have a blanket, I would have had that around her. But yeah, that was, that was funny because I I can't imagine that happening all too often. Wow. Hopefully not. (laughs) Yeah, Kelly, never a dull moment though. Time? That's for sure. Uh, that's a pretty good one. I, you know what? I I have got a vault full, so that's a pretty good one. That that yeah. that's good. When you came onto the agency, have you ever had a moment where you thought, "Well, I never thought I would blank." I I guess I I never thought I would enjoy jumping back into social work the way I did. It was like I took that six-month period off to decompress, and when I went back in, I wasn't 100% sure how much I would like it because I'd been away. So I never would have thought I enjoyed getting back into this until I got into it and realized I get to work on both sides, too. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. I get to work with those adoptive parents, but the minute I can have any contact with a birth mom in the hospital, pre-hospital, whatever, I want that because I want them to see the compassion and the love in my heart to know that I, I'm not from the other side. I'm here to help you, too, even though I want my adoptive family to, you know, have a successful adoption. I want everything to be okay with you. So I, I guess that's, you know, that's how I see it. I never thought I would love it so much to be Aww. able to get to work both sides of it. What about the one thing, because you do work you do work with both sides, but primarily on the adoptive parent side, what is the one thing that you have always wanted to say to adoptive parents, but you really can't? Because this is kind of an open forum. This is a way that you can say something and somebody isn't going to take offense to it. So if you could say one thing, one message, what would it be? One message that I, w- that I could tell the adoptive family is strap in because this is going to be a roller coaster ride. I can't guarantee anything. You will go through some, you know, emotions that you probably, you know, have never felt. And I wish that I could tell you that this is going to be but I can't, and you you know the reality of that. You can't do that with them because you don't want to give them the immediate feeling of you know worry. So you try to kind of carefully tell them that, but you sugarcoat a little bit. You have to because I don't want them to worry right in the beginning. That is not a way to start to develop a relationship. They, I have to have them build the I build the trust, and then the sugar coating comes off gradually, you know, where I'm, I'm brutally honest because of that, but I can't do it right away because it would affect the relationship I'm trying to build in the beginning. And when you watch two people become a family, what does that do for you? Well, it, you know, I'm so happy for them. It is so wonderful to discharge right in front of the hospital but there's another side because for everyone's win, there's a loss. And so, you know, it's like kind of accepting the trophy, but then turning back and looking at the people that didn't get the trophy 
you have to have some, you know, some compassion for that, that it's somebody's win and somebody else's loss. And that's tough. That's, that's tough to get around sometimes. Have there ever been nights where you didn't sleep? Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people, you know, it's so funny because social workers, you know, underpaid, whatever, overworked. But those of us that have been in it, you know, yeah, we'd love to get, you know, paid more. But the reality of it is that people don't love their job as much as I do either. So they could be making $120,000 a day, but they're not making a difference every single day in the lives of somebody else. They're, they don't have that opportunity, and to have that opportunity, you can't put a price tag on it. I couldn't agree more. Ron, do you have any more questions for no, me? No, I'm just blown away. Thank you so much. You have such a kind heart, and you've been just a delight. So thank you very much for joining us. Yes, yeah, Sarah, You're thank welcome. you. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Now, is there a royalty check in this at all? Or? <laughs> we have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. Or you can call our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or give you more information. You can check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thank Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption, written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me, Ron Rains. If you enjoy this podcast, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thanks to Grapes for letting us use their song I Don't Know as our theme song. Join us next time for Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then. <laughs>